Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. This week, we are once again bringing clarity to the chaos. Derek and Sharon Gilbert will reveal the War of the Gods. Doug Stoffer will expose the post-tribulation hoax. And Dr. Nathaniel Jensen will unveil DNA's big surprise. As always, we're able to bring you these groundbreaking programs because of your prayers and financial support. Right now, we're in the midst of our Meeting the Mission Matching Gift Campaign. That means each gift we receive is matched. It's doubled up to $1 million. When you contact us today with your gift, it will be doubled. Call 1-800-652-1144 and stand with Watchmen on the Wall with your gift. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit our website, supportswrc.com. That's supportswrc.com. Our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, welcomes Derek and Sharon Gilbert back to the program today to take us on a journey across the Middle East in search of the Titans. Derek and Sharon Gilbert are with us. They are part of the Skywatch team up in Crane, Missouri. They've been on our show many, many times before, and they've just returned from Israel. They are gifted writers, but they don't just write. They investigate carefully. And they connect a lot of dots. There are some things of the Word of God that are shrouded in mystery, and yet when the dots are connected, it's amazing what you find. And they found lots of stuff they're going to be sharing with us. So, Sharon and Derek, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you very much. It's an honor, Larry. Thank you. You know, in Scripture, we read of giants, the Rephaim, and as you visit places like Israel and Jordan, you find ancient megalithic sites and also mysterious megalithic towers in Sardinia. So what have you learned about such mysteries in your travels and studies? And these are things that most Christians know very little about. So what's the significance of it all? The significance is that Jesus paid attention to the areas where these megalithic structures are concentrated. Mm. For many of us, it seems like a fringe topic. I mean, yes, it's fascinating that on the Golan Heights, you've got a, a site called Gilgal Rephaim, for example, that's, mm. that's older and much larger than Stonehenge. There are some wow. Israeli tour companies that have picked up on this, including our friend Aaron Lipkin, who now mm. refers to it as Israel's Stonehenge, to give people an idea of what we're talking about here. But according to the most recent archaeological digs at that location, it is older by about 1,200 years than Stonehenge, much larger. And the fact that it's located in a place that was referred to in the Bible as Bashan, which literally means place of the serpent, a place that was Mm. believed to be the entrance to the netherworld, is significant. And again, it would be nothing more than a historical curiosity if Jesus hadn't pointed to it through his ministry. Wow, that is significant. Now, do such investigations and studies shed any light on the end times? And, of course, I know you guys up at Skywatch, you do a lot on the end times, and so do we. So how does this help us understand where we are, where we're going, and what's going to happen next? Derek and I have been producing a program called Unraveling Revelations for a few years, and we contend that if you do not understand history, beginning with Genesis, you won't understand 
prophetic end times. Mm. So we went all the way back to, to creation into the fall that we call a Genesis 6 event, not just Eden, but the Genesis 6 event, which a lot of the Jews as well as Christians believe was just as important as Eden. So the Genesis 6 event is reflected in that Valley of Rephaim and all Mm. of those monuments, and Jesus spent a lot of time up there. So I think if we're going to understand end times prophecy, we need to understand what all of that meant. Yeah, there's a psalm that we take as prophetic that is not often discussed in the studies of end times prophecy, and that is Psalm 68 which Mm. refers to the uh, mountain of Bashan, the many-peaked mountain of Bashan, which is a reference to Mount Hermon, the tallest mountain anywhere near Israel by three times, 9,200 feet. And this was known to be the mountain where the Canaanite pantheon met. One scholar refers to it as the Canaanite Olympus, or the Semitic Mount Olympus. Jesus very specifically directed key points in his ministry at that location specifically Mount Hermon, but also the land over which it stands, the region of Bashan. Psalm 68, we think, is a prophetic look at kind of an already-but-not-yet fulfillment of war in the heavenlies directed at the region of Bashan. When you speak about Genesis 6, I think that's so important. When I came to the true view of Genesis 6-4 and what it all means, a lot of things opened up, and the Sethite view that the sons of God were men from godly, righteous line of Seth who began intermarrying with women from the corrupt, wicked line of Cain, you know, that defies logic. I mean, how likely is it that all the Sethite men were good while all the Cainite women were bad? And we're supposed to believe Cainite men never married Sethite women. And why would these unions produce Nephilim? understood to be giants by Jewish rabbis and early Christians alike. So what you're talking about now, I think so many Christians who are, quote, educated, and I'm saying that in a sarcastic way, they miss it all, and I think this is the key. Your comment on that. Well, I will say this, that that Sethite view is, at one time it was very French. Mm-hmm. And somehow in the last 200 years, it's become the mainstream. Yeah, well, right. it really began in the 5th century of Augustine. but Yeah, but it's uh, in our seminaries now. I mean, it's taught everywhere, and so most pastors, that's what they were taught. Exactly. Yes. It was surprising to learn that through our friend Ryan Peterson, the author of Judgment of the Nephilim and the Final Nephilim, that many theologians in the 17th, 18th, 19th centuries understood that Genesis 6, verses 1 through 4 mean what they say on a plain reading, that the sons of God, these supernatural entities, cohabited with women, created these giant, monstrous creatures, and yet we get into the 20th and 21st centuries with our scientific worldview here in the West, and we've rejected that. And this was before the discovery of texts over the last hundred years that show, in context, there was a cult of the dead, or a cult of what was believed to be the spirits of the dead, in and around ancient Israel which were, in fact, the spirits of these Rephaim, the neighbors of the ancient Hebrews, the Israelites, the Canaanites, the Amorites, who lived around ancient Israel, even the Greeks, they knew who the Rephaim were. They were the demigod heroes of the pre-flood world whose spirits still exist today. Hmm. This is known from Greek poetry. This is known from Canaanite texts. This was not something invented by Moses to, pardon the pun, demonize their Canaanite neighbors. 
As we get down to the videos and the production that you've got, why did you call your previous tours of Israel Search for the Titans and Search for the Rephaim? We were surprised to discover in the research for our books, specifically things like Giants, Gods, and Dragons and Veneration, that the Greeks knew who the Rephaim were of the Semitic people, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hebrews. And a scholar by the name of Amar Anus showed that etymologically, through language, through archaeology, that the demigods of the Greeks were the Rephaim, in other words, the Nephilim destroyed in the flood, of the Canaanites, the Amorites, and the Hebrews. We so, commonly call them demons. Yeah, mm. uh, and that their spirits continue. Even the mm. Greeks called them daemons, but they believed they were kindly and helpful, which is why you had to offer them sacrifices and cult, you know, worship, in other words. The Hebrews, the Israelites, Jews, had a very different view, as did the early church. These daemons were evil spirits wandering the earth until the final judgment. So there's a fundamental difference of opinion as to the nature of these things or as to whether they're good or evil. But as far as their nature, their composition, what they are, there was agreement. These are the spirits of the giants destroyed in the flood. This was the worldview of the Greeks, the Romans, the Hittites, the Hurrians, everyone in the ancient world. It's just we've lost that in the modern world. It's so true. And across the world, you'll find nearly every culture, if not every culture, have an ancestor worship history, a pagan idea that you have to appease your ancestors, grandpa and grandma, and going on back. Otherwise, they will come back and haunt you and make your life a misery. And we so in, in that same idea, we have a lot of burial rituals that keep the bones nearby, if not underneath the house itself. Mm -hmm. And not to put too fine a point on it, but the reason for referring to the Titans and the Rephaim in our two tour videos is because the Titans of the Greeks, the old gods who were banished to Tartarus, the bottomless pit, the abyss, we believe are the same, one and the same, as the sons of God from Genesis chapter 6, who according to Peter and Jude are in chains in gloomy darkness. They are the same entities, just by different names. And many of the people who listen to your program and watch our things, too, will call them the Watchers, the capital W Watchers. But it's the same thing as the Titan. Well, friends, we're visiting with Sharon and Derek Gilbert. We are offering two of their videos. They are videos of their tours to Israel. One video is titled Search for the Titans. The other is titled Search for the Rephaim, or toll-free number, 1-800-652-1144. Now, these are learning-type videos that are very, very helpful in coming to grips with a lot of the mysteries of the Bible, and I believe they are really helpful, and you, what you've just heard, Sharon and Derek Gilbert know what they're talking about. They've spent a lot of time, a lot of research, and have done a lot of writing. 1-800-652-1144. Now, tell our audience why you went to Israel a few days ahead of your recent tour. Oh, boy. (laughs) I'm delighted to tell you that. First of all, we want to thank Aaron Lipkin for allowing us to do that, making it possible, and going around with us. And then one of our favorite guides, Yishai uh, Avital, who went with us on Sunday. We got to see some dolmen fields and inspect Gilgal Raphaim on our own without, you know, a lot of tour group folks who were just wanting to get their first look at it. In other words, we were trying to get as much video without lots of other people in, right. in the frame, you might say. But we also wanted to take our time, because when you're there with a group, you've got a big, you know, okay, today we have to go here, 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 and here. Right. 
So you only have a few minutes there. Whereas going on our own, we were able to spend lots and lots of time. And we went there with Dr. Michael Freakman, who helped to explore that area. He's done the most recent excavation at Gilgal Rephaim, which is a name that means Wheel of the Giants. Locally, it's called Rujim El-Hiri. It's about 500 feet across. It's got 42,000 tons of stone. Compare that to Stonehenge. They estimate about 25,000 tons of stone at Stonehenge. This site, he dates to about 3750 B.C., mm-hmm. give or take 250 years. It's an amazing structure, and he believes it is devoted to the cult of the dead. More than that, we were able to explore a site we had only seen from Google Earth before. I mean, imagine this. This is a megalithic structure so large you can see it from space. It doesn't have an official name, but we call it the Serpent Mound of Bashan. Now, this is a serpent-shaped ridge about a quarter of a mile north of Gilgal Rephaim. That's about three-quarters of a mile long, about 200 feet wide, and 25 feet tall. And it's got 140 megalithic burials on the back of this structure. And all of this is within plain sight of Mount Hermon, which is due north of this structure. It's got remains of buildings on there that appear to be very Mm well-organized, not individual cottages. These Derek and I have a theory, at least I do. I don't know how you feel about this. Dr. Freakman seemed to think that this was a wealthy private family. Yeah. It hmm. seems to me more likely, given the location and given everything else going on along that ridge, that that would have been a priestly center. Yes, and I think that would make sense, given that all of these burials, which are clustered on the back of this serpent-shaped ridge, again, remembering that it's in the middle of a land called Bashan, which literally means place of the serpent, that the burials are clustered there on the back of this serpent and not on the agricultural land below, between this serpent and Gilgal Rephaim. But in a broader sense, the Golan Heights, the ancient land of Bashan, is so covered with dolmens that the archaeologist who led the survey of the Golan, Moshe Hartal, said we can no longer use the term dolmen field anymore because we don't know where one ends and another begins. And he's proposed considering the Golan Heights, ancient Bashan, the place of the serpent, as one giant dolmen field. In other words, a giant necropolis, a place Mm -hmm. dedicated to the cult of the dead. Exactly. And one of the places we got to investigate was the Shamir Dolmen, which is thought to have the largest, heaviest, biggest old capstone. And it's the only one with any writing underneath. Yeah, 50-ton capstone on this. And according to the archaeologists who've done the most recent excavation there, it was the center of the dolmen building cult of the Hula Valley, which is the valley through which the Jordan River runs between Mount Hermon and the Sea of Galilee. And that is relevant and significant. Right. It's interesting. You know, I've been to Israel several times, and of course the traditional sites, Sea of Galilee, Jerusalem, and so on, Hebron, and nothing wrong with that. But from what you're saying, there's so much more that goes deeper and deeper into history and also into the backstory of the War of the Gods and what's happening in our world today, even in Israel. So this is very significant. It's like Israel's so tiny, and yet there's so much there. There's so much there. You're right. The (laughs) other thing to remember, Larry, is that prior to 1967, we didn't have access to those areas. Mm, Right. But Mm. with the 1967 war and the accessing to the Golan Heights. Now we can go in as explorers and and tourists, and we can actually visit these sites. I think the enemy did not want Israel to have access to that, did not want Christianity to have access to that, and wants it back. 
because their secrets are buried there. Yes, and again, the reason this is more than just fascinating archaeological curiosity is because Jesus drew attention to it through the places he chose for his ministry. Most of his ministry was in that region. Exactly. Wow. Wow. That's tremendous because when we think of the Lord Jesus, and I'm thinking of Mark chapter 1, the fact that he had power over demon spirits. I know the people were amazed at his healing, but it seems to me as you read Mark chapter 1, around verses 18, 19, 20, 21, the thing that really amazed the people was the fact that finally somebody who had power over the forces of darkness has arrived, meaning that they had been been bothered. They had these attacks, these demonic attacks. They had incursions from the realms of darkness. And now, wow, somebody's here. He is the Messiah. I mean, that says a lot to me about our wonderful Lord and Savior. I know he loved children and talked to them and everything, but what power and what glory over that unseen realm. Absolutely. And that's really what this is all about. Jesus declared war on the spirits of these demons and their creators, their progenitors, the sons of God who rebelled against the authority of the Creator. I think what we're talking about now is something that the devil doesn't want people to know about. The reason, because he is a defeated foe. He's still very active in the world, even in America now, even in Washington and so forth, but there is one who has the final word. I'm so excited about that, and I hope our listeners realize that you're not just talking about archaeology. You're talking about stones and places and locations that say this is real. We are on the planet of the gods, and the Son of God has come, and he's brought us victory. That's what I get out of all this. I'm really excited about talking to you guys. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Well, we want to share just a tease for the next program, Larry, that we will explain where Jesus based his ministry, and why we think he points to the literal location of the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Sharon and Derek are going to be back with us. You can hear these programs again. They're on our website. They're archived. This stuff is deep. This stuff is important. There's a lot of details you don't want to miss. So please join us again. And what I would ask for each and every listener, I would ask that you would be instant in season and out of season Because we are all in spiritual warfare. Our kids, when I think of what's happening in the schools in America, when I think of what's happening around the world, this is not something that just comes from man. This is something that comes from the pits of hell. So, Sharon and Derek, thank you so much. We'll be having you on our next program. And praise the Lord, we'll be talking to you very, very shortly. Thank you. We look forward to it. Thank you, Larry. We'll have much more from Derek and Sharon Gilbert on tomorrow's program. War of the Gods, two-volume DVD set from Derek and Sharon Gilbert, is available today. Join Derek and Sharon Gilbert as they tour Israel, Jordan, and the mysterious megalithic towers of Sardinia. Order War of the Gods, two-DVD set when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can visit our online resource center at swrc.com. 
Our next in-person conference is this weekend. The speakers you hear on this program will be coming to Wichita, Kansas this Friday and Saturday, May 5th and 6th at Sunrise Christian Academy. Speakers include our very own Dr. Larry Spargimino, Greg Patton, Dr. Rob Lindstead, Michael Hoggard, Staff Evangelist Josh Davis, Micah Van Huss, and Dr. Lonnie Shipman. Clarity to the Chaos Conference, this Friday and Saturday, May 5th and 6th, at Sunrise Christian Academy in Bel Air, Kansas. Get all the details by visiting the events page of our website, swrc.com. Now, let's return to the studio and join Marvin McIlvaney for today's Bible in the News Report. We read in Matthew 19.12, For there are some eunuchs which were so, born from their mother's womb. And there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men. And there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs, for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Eunuchs have recently become an issue in Bible study. That is because it involves gender identity, which just so happens to be a big issue these days. According to popular biblical interpretation, eunuchs are castrated men, and usually these men were given responsibility for the king's harem of wives and concubines, mainly because they cannot reproduce. Castrated men experience a much reduced sex drive because their bodies have very low levels of the male hormone testosterone. Male sheep, cattle, goats, pigs, and dogs are routinely castrated in order to reduce aggression. Jesus, in the course of his teaching about marriage, talks about three types of eunuchs. Those who are born eunuchs. Some men are born and they are unable to have sexual relations with a female. Those who were castrated. Intentional castration was performed for the sole reason of eradicating sexual desire and sexual intercourse. And the third type of eunuch were those who voluntarily became eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. Eunuchs here are a type or example of the unmarried. Those who choose to give up marriage and remain single voluntarily do so because they feel it will help them serve the Lord more effectively in some way. Some homosexual organizations believe that when Jesus mentions eunuchs who were born that way, he was referring to homosexuals. Bible scholars do not equate gay men with a eunuch. Homosexuality is condemned in both the Old and New Testaments. Eunuchs are never mentioned as being in sin. A desperate father has been pleading with his ex-wife to not chemically castrate their son after she moved to California from Texas. The young boy claimed his mother, who was a pediatrician, told him he was female because he loved girls and would dress him up in dresses. Jeff Younger claims his ex-wife, Dr. Ann Jorgalus, planned to chemically castrate their son. He claims she moved to California to seek gender treatment for their son. A court has previously ruled Jorgulus cannot seek transitioning treatment of their son. The Supreme Court of Texas ruled in December that she lacks the legal authority to consent to such therapy. Chemical castration refers to the use of chemicals or drugs to stop sex hormone production. Medications commonly known as puberty blockers are increasingly used on minors with gender dysphoria. There is no federal age limit 
on who can be prescribed them. My blood ran cold when I realized what she had planned for that boy, Younger said. He claims the boy's mother started transitioning him when he was two and tried to enroll him in a gender clinic when he was five. Younger says he doesn't think the mother's relocation to California is an accident. He thinks she wants to take advantage of the new sanctuary law in California. California's sanctuary law protects transgender children and their families who flee from Alabama, Texas, Idaho, or any other state, allowing them to receive gender-affirming care. Quote, if these parents and their kids come to California, the legislation will help protect them from having their kids taken away from them or from being criminally prosecuted for supporting their trans kids' access to health care, State Senator Scott Weiner said. In the state of Washington, the House has passed a bill allowing youth shelters to keep runaway juveniles from their parents to get an abortion and or gender surgeries that include removing a girl's breast or uterus. So your child runs away and comes back without breast or uterus, there's nothing you can do about it. Currently, if a minor runs away and goes to a youth shelter, the shelter must inform the parents or legal guardians within 24 to 72 hours. However, State Bill 5599 says there may be compelling reasons for them not to do so, like if the parents would be upset if their child was having an abortion or gender surgery. Not only that, but combined with House Bill 1469, which also passed in both chambers, the two policies would allow juveniles from other states to run away from home, go to a Washington youth shelter, seeking an abortion or gender surgery, and the parents would not have to be notified. Quote, I am speaking to the youth across our nation, across our state, and our communities. Representative Tanya Seen, Democrat from Mercer Island, I see you, I affirm you, that I hear you, that I love you. With this passage of the bill, we are saying Washington State loves you too. People, think about it. Your child could run away and be mutilated, and not only would you not know, but you would be helpless to do anything about it. That this is passing should be shocking to everyone. None of the listed medical procedures are life-saving or even needed. Giving the government the control to make these types of laws is totally ignoring the rights and responsibilities of the parents. That so-called Democrat leaders are supporting this is unbelievable. This madness needs to stop. This is America today. God help us. I want to encourage all of our new listeners to request your free new listener pack. The new listener pack includes the latest issue of our Prophetic Observer newsletter and a free gift. Request your free new listener pack when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Today our featured resource is War of the Gods, two-volume DVD set from our friends Derek and Sharon Gilbert. Join them as they tour Israel, Jordan, and the mysterious megalithic towers of Sardinia. Order War of the Gods 2 DVD set when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144.
444. Tomorrow, Derek and Sharon Gilbert will return with more details on the War of the Gods. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com.